0: Thank you very much for all that wonderful music this morning. Take your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number five this morning. Matthew chapter number five is where we will find our place at um, for today. Today I'm going to begin a new series of messages um, entitled Blessed and um, I as we look towards the new year and look towards what uh, God is doing in our life and has done in our life, the truth of the matter is is that no matter what's going on in your life, we're all blessed. We're all very blessed. And uh, in Matthew chapter number 5, we find the Sermon on the Mount and we find the Beatitudes. And I want to spend the next few weeks uh, just um, going through each of the Beatitudes and what they actually mean and And how they apply to our lives. And today we're going to look at the subject of blessed are the poor in spirit. And so that's going to be our catalyst for today. Uh, There's a story told, if you could hit that first slide for me that would be great, there you go. The story is told of a teenage girl in Switzerland who had wandered away from a family camping area in the Alps and suddenly slipped over a mountainside that dropped to a canyon floor hundreds of feet below As she began to slip, she grabbed hold of a tree which was hanging out on the side of the mountain. She held the tree for many hours. When her rescuers arrived, they shined their lights on her and immediately noticed that just six inches below the girl was a large plateau of rock where she could have easily and safely rested. I want to apply that to our Christian life such is the average Christian, that we get so busy hanging on and straining, we never take a moment to enjoy the blessedness of the Christian life. You know what? That's so true. We, we, we're so busy. We're so uh, uh, self orientated. We're so busy with things that are going on in our lives and things that are happening that we forget to take a moment and realize how blessed we really are. And this morning, just for a few moments, I promise I'm not going to be long, but just for a few moments, I want us to look at that, that thought process of we are truly blessed as Christians and, and how that applies to our life and how we can make that a part of every day. Before Jesus spoke, to the masses, he went to the mountain. Before the disciples encountered the crowds, they first encountered Jesus Christ. It's important that we take moments in our life to reflect and take moments in our life to, to take a, a, a spiritual temperature test, if I can use that thought, and, and really figure out where we are at. Figure out where we're at in this, uh, in this life and figure out where we're at as it relates to Jesus Christ. Because so many times, we, we put so many other things ahead of Christ and so many things ahead of, of our own spiritual condition and we fail to forget that every once in a while we need to hit the refresh button. Every once in a while we need to stop and look at our lives and reflect them uh, according to Jesus Christ. It was from this mount where Jesus gives us the Beatitudes. Now, the Beatitudes have been described as the attitudes that ought to be in the believer's life. These are personal application. These are personal application to our own lives and how that we can learn how to act and the attitude that we are to have as believers. The Beatitudes are part of the Sermon on the Mount, and the Sermon on the Mount has a twofold application. It's important that you understand this from the very get go as we look at this whole series of messages. There are two applications to the Sermon on the Mount. The first is a literal application for the coming kingdom when Jesus rules. Matthew chapter number 5 is a look ahead at the kingdom rule of Jesus Christ. So it's the literal application, but more importantly to us today is the physical application And that the Sermon on the Mount explains the type of kingdom God wants to build in the lives of his followers today. I want you to understand something, church, that it's important that we we take note, it's important that we realize that the Christian life is more than a salvation experience. It is an everyday walk with God. It is more than, excuse the terminology, Christianity is more than fire insurance. Christianity is a life that is to be well lived. It is a life that is to reflect Jesus Christ. It is a life that in that reflection is supposed to reflect him to the entire world. It's not something that we are to bottle up. It's not something that we are to hold, but we are to do just as Jesus tells us to do, that we are to be the light shining in the darkness. And the only way that we can do that is if we know how to live the life in which God wants us to live. And here in Matthew chapter number five, over the next few weeks, I believe that God gives us that outline for daily living. The emphasis of the Beatitudes is that God blesses, listen to this, a life of inward what? Let's try that again. God blesses a life of inward character. And I didn't say you had to be a character. I said you need to be a life that has inward character. What does that mean, pastor, to have inward character? You know, the truth of the matter is, is that when you woke up this morning, you went to your closet and you put on your church clothes, right? You looked through your outfits and you thought, there's a good church outfit. It's clean. I might not even have to iron it. Amen. Amen. And it's somewhat acceptable, and so I'm going to put it on, and we're going to go to church. And you have your church outfit, and you came to church this morning, and somebody kidded with me this morning. They said that they got all the way to the end of the driveway this morning before their smile got on, but they got it on. And you put your church smile on, and you you put your, it gets ready to give the handshakes, and everything's great. That is your outward character. That's who you are to everyone else. But your inward character, what lies within you, within your soul, and within your heart, within your life, is who you really are. Anybody can put on a show for an hour. Anybody can put on that face for a short amount of time. But truly and honestly, your inward character, as people get to know you and you get to know them, will begin to seep out. And it's important as Christians... That we are full of character in our life. We are full of integrity. We are people that are living what we say that we are living. And that we are living a life that is pleasing and acceptable to God. The Bible says in Romans chapter number 12. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is good and acceptable, and the perfect will of God. That is the type of life that God desires for us to have. Many in Jesus' day, especially the Pharisees, believed righteousness was only an external matter. The Pharisees bragged in Luke chapter number 11 about the fact that they didn't sin, and that they fasted, and that they tithed, and they, look at us. But here in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus emphasizes righteousness from the what? The heart's. From the inside out. Really, what, what, what good is outward obedience if our heart is proud and critical? A true Christian's life uh, it, it lives not for the approval of men, but to please God for the heart. Listen, the Bible says that we should not be men-pleasers. We should not be men-pleasers. The Bible says, uh, be not men-pleasers, but doing the will of God from the heart. It's important that that we not live a life that that people approve of, but rather we live a life that God approves of. The Beatitudes are not emphasizing self-righteousness. This is very important. Rather, they emphasize grace-righteousness. It is that inner working of God reconstructing the heart. The idea that every day is a new day. Every day I need to be renewed. Every day I need to be strengthened. Andrew Murray said it this way, pride must die in you or nothing of heaven can live in you. Boy, that's hard to, that's hard to grasp. That's hard to, to swallow, You've heard people say, you need to just swallow your pride. Well, the truth of the matter is this, is that pride not need, does not need to be swallowed. It needs to die. It needs to, to not live in our lives. Because if it doesn't, then literally nothing of heaven can live inside of us. Because, listen, the only pride that we have as Christians is the fact of who Jesus is. Listen, I am nothing without him. Listen, I, 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 the Bible says that from dust thou art to dust thou shalt return. I've said this many times from this pulpit. Uh, unfortunately, the Bible just calls us a bunch of dirtballs. From dust thou art to dust thou shalt return. But with God, all things are possible. and God wants to work in and through us in a miraculous and wonderful way. If you have your Bibles, if you're standing with me, just three verses this morning, starting in Matthew chapter number five. Starting in verse number 1. And we'll gravitate our way down as the weeks progress uh, through verse number 12. But today, Matthew chapter number 5, verse number 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into the mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, first of all, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Our Father in heaven, I pray that you'll bless the few moments that we have together Lord, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts and lives, and Lord, I pray that today we will understand how blessed we really are, and how that we should take our lives and live it according to our blessedness that you have so rained down upon us, and God, that we will be the the men and the women of God that you desire us to be through our integrity and our character. Lord, we love you, but most of all, we thank you for loving us. First, in your precious and holy Son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of taking notes, on the back of the bulletin that you received this morning is an outline if you wish to follow along. Number one, the definition of poor in spirit. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? Does it mean that I have to be broke in order to live for God? Does it mean that I'm not allowed to have any money in order to live for God? No, that has nothing to do with that. Poor in spirit is defined in many different ways, and we're going to share that with you this morning. Poor in spirit can be defined as this. Knowing yourself, this is very important, and it really kind of brings to light a a new perspective on the thought process. You ready? Uh, Defined as knowing yourself, accepting yourself, and being yourself to the glory of God. Oh, you say, Pastor, I know who I am. I accept me, and, and I'm can kind of be myself around you, right? Knowing yourself, accepting yourself, and being yourself. That's what porn spirit is. If I could sum it all up in one word, this is what it would be. Humility. Humility. Listen, let me share something with you that you might not know about me. I mess up. I make mistakes. Just ask my wife; she'll tell you all about it. I mess up all the time. I, listen, I, I, I am, I am, I I mess up. I sin. I do things that I shouldn't do. Because why? Because I'm flesh. I'm as much flesh and blood as anybody else in this room, and so is every pastor that's standing in the pulpit this morning. So is every president, so is every governor, so is every mayor elect. Every person in America and all across the world are nothing but sinners. And listen, until we accept that fact that we are who we are, we will never progress in our lives. We will never progress to the point that we can serve God and do what God wants us to be. Because this is what we have a tendency to do. And I'll be honest with you. uh, Sometimes it's very difficult for even me. It's hard to go, boy, I wish I could be like. Boy, I wish that I looked like. Boy, I wish my hair would look like. Right? Right? I mean, why do you think when you go to the, ke- the, the checkout register, there's 30 magazines there? They got all kinds of ideas how to make you change. Listen, God's not looking for you to change outwardly. He's looking for you to, ex- listen, this is very important. He's looking for you to accept yourself so that you can move forward inwardly. Because until we accept who we are, we'll never make any progress as a Christian that's why God says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are humble. Blessed are those who will allow me to work in their lives. So those that, the idea, we defined it, knowing yourself, accepting yourself, being yourself. First of all, knowing yourself, knowing your strengths and your weaknesses. I've filled out job applications in the past. And I've had the opportunity to receive job applicants as I'm hiring them. And when I would sit down with job applicants, I would say, tell me about your strengths. Man, they could write a dissertation. Let me tell you about how wonderful I am. And then you get to the next question. Tell me about your weaknesses. And this is what you get. Well, well, you know the truth of the matter is, is that it's very important that we all know our strengths and our weaknesses. You say, why? Because it's important That when we talk about ministry, we talk about life, we talk about who we are. That when we have weaknesses, we find people that complement those weaknesses. And our strengths will complement other people's weaknesses. Know who you are. Don't don't try to be someone else. Don't try to do something else. Just be who God has called you to be. So know yourself. The greatest lesson in life, Winston Churchill says, is to know that even even fools are right sometimes. And you know what? That's the truth we got to know who we are then we got to accept ourselves God made you exactly as he desired Now it is our job to accept what he has made and use yourself for the glory of God. You say, Pastor, I'm not sure where we're going with this message. Let me just tell you, we're about to hit the new year and you're about to make all kind of uh, resolutions and all kind of ideas about the future and, and, and how you want to change and how you want to do and what you want to do. Listen, I would dare tell you that it's important as a Christian that you not only know yourself, but that you accept yourself. You accept who you are. And you accept that God made you exactly as he desired. Stop looking at other people's strengths and saying, man, I wish. Stop looking at other people and saying, man, one day I want to be. And begin looking at God and saying, what is it that you want me to be? What is it that you want me to do? Know yourself, accept yourself, and be yourself. Don't pretend to be someone that you're not but rather who God made you to be. It's very important in the idea of being poor in spirit. In ourselves, we are bankrupt, but in Christ, we are spiritually rich. The person who is poor in spirit knows that every place of God's choosing is an important place. The poor in spirit surrenders his will to God. He surrenders everything that he has to God. Rather than thinking of God's blessings as a reward of conquest, it is li- literally a blessing of surrender. It's a blessing of surrender. It's giving up to God. How can we know we are developing the inner character of being poor in spirit? Let me just give you some thoughts and, and we'll move along. First of all, uh, how, how can we know that we're poor in spirit? First of all, by accepting others. By accepting others. Listen to me this morning, people are hurting. Are you with me today? I know you've had lots of long days, but uh, people are hurting. People are struggling. People people need to know that they're loved and that they're accepted. That that's the greatest, uh, uh, the two greatest things that any person wants to know is that they're loved and accepted. and And we need to be people that are accepting of others. We need to we need to we need to break down this barrier uh, of of financial status and this barrier of race status and this barrier of anything else that's in our way and say listen this is a person that was made by God and we accept them. Why why do we have to why do we need to accept them pastor? Because they have a soul. They need Jesus. They need to know that Jesus loves them. And 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 you do that by showing yourself, by being yourself that person of love and that person of acceptance. The disciples in Matthew 18, 1 said, Who is the greatest in the kingdom? You see, the disciples had not yet become poor in spirit. They were still worried about who the greatest person was. They were still concerned only with themselves. I think David said it the right way. In 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse number 18, when he offered Saul's daughter for a wife, he said this, Who am I that should be the son-in-law to the king? David understood the meaning of humble. Do you know why? Because he had been made humble. He had been made humble. Listen, people, people need to know that they're loved and that they're accepted without boundaries, without prerequisites. But they are loved just the way that they are. C.S. Lewis said it this way true humility is not thinking less of yourself, it is thinking of yourself less. It's thinking of yourself less. And I'm going to be honest with you. You know, I, I, growing up, I grew up in a Christian home, and we went to church all the time. And I graduated from high school, and I went off to Bible college, and I met Melissa, and we got married. And it really wasn't until, and there were a lot of things that happened in my life, but it really wasn't until I realized who Melissa was in my life, and when we began to have children, who these children were in my life, that I really understood what it meant to be humble. To no longer think of myself. When you can begin putting people in front of you, you've reached the plateau of humility. Now, certainly, we all struggle with that idea of being humble. But that idea of being humble is thinking less of yourself and thinking more of others. Listen, when we can begin to put others in front of us, when we can begin to see others and their needs, then we've moved beyond and we've allowed God to work in our lives. Not only that, accepting our circumstances. Becoming poor in spirit is accepting our circumstances. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 11 says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for what I've learned, in whatsoever state I am therewith to be what? Content. To be what? To be content. content. To be happy. My family is not here this morning other than my oldest son. And the reason is, is because uh, my home is turned upside down right now. We woke up on Thursday morning, I put my feet on the floor and it went squish, 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 squish. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> and I found out quickly, it was water. And then um, we, we survived all of that. And then uh, Friday night, the rain came again. And I heard drip, drip, drip. I thought, this is fun. We're, we're going to have a swimming pool before long. That's what my boys have always wanted. <laughs> I just wanted to, that, we, that we just want a pool, you know? You know what? Whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. We're going to find ourselves sometimes in our lives in some, in some pretty difficult situations. I really want you to listen to me because this, this really is, is the heart of where I'm at this morning. We're going to find ourselves in some difficult situations and we're going to make two choices. We're either going to get mad at God. And we're going to say, why is God doing this to me? Why is God allowing all of these things to happen? And why is it all piling up? Well, why? I don't understand. God, what are you doing? Or, we're going to get on this side of it, and we're going to go, God, what are you teaching me? And Lord, whatever it is that you're trying to teach me, I'm going to do my very best to stay content in the situation and the circumstance. And I'm going to accept the circumstances. I'm going to accept the life that you have given to me. Because I know this, that you have given me the life that you desire for me to have. Some of you have gone through great loss in your life. Some of you have faced very difficult circumstances within your families. Some of you have faced very hardships in your life financially. Some of you have suffered a loss of loved ones, and loss of family, in the most terrible and tragic ways. And it's at those moments in our lives, and those moments that we begin to move forward in our life, that we have to make a decision. Not that I speak in respect of wants, For I have learned, it was a taught emotion, that whatsoever place I'm in in my life, I will be satisfied or I will be content. If we live in a state of unrest, if we live in a state of of uncontentment, if we live in a state of unrest, we are doing a disjustice and a disservice to God. Because God is trying to work in our life and God is trying to mold us into the life that he's designed for us. And if we keep pushing back from God and we keep pushing back and saying, God, because of my circumstances, I'm not going to allow you to do anything else in my life. It is going to be to our own faults that we can never move past the circumstances and allow God to use us in a way that we could never understand before. You say, Pastor, uh, can you give me an example? Absolutely. And, and I, I want to be very sensitive and careful with this subject this morning. But I, I think it's important that we get it out there. The Bible tells us that David, that, 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 that he looked upon Bathsheba. And the Bible says that he committed a horrible sin with Bathsheba. And Bathsheba became a child. And, and, and David sent Bathsheba's husband to the front line to be killed during battle. And Nathan came to David and said, give him an analogy about a man that had all the sheep that he could possibly want. And one man that only had one sheep. And, 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 And this man that had all the sheep went and took this one man's sheep. And he killed the sheep. And Nathan said, what should we do with that man? And David said, put him to death. And Nathan turned to David and said, thou art the man. The Bible says that Bathsheba had that child. Because of David's sin, the child passed away. Great loss. The day of David's son's funeral. The Bible tells us David's reaction. They came around to where David was. And David said this, we're going to celebrate. And they all looked at David and they said, David, how can we possibly celebrate? It's the death of a child. How can we possibly do that? And David said this. He said, because that child cannot come back to me. But one day, I will go be with that child. A few chapters later, we find David serving God. And this is what God said about David. David was a man after my own heart. You know what David did? He accepted the circumstances. Now, that might be your circumstances. There may be other circumstances that are very similar to that I was just using a biblical example. But as a Christian, if we are going to decide to move forward in our life, we are going to have to, we are going to, have to accept the circumstances that God has allowed in our lives. Not that I speak in respect of wants. For I have, what's the next word? Learned. This is a work in progress. In whatsoever state I am in, I will be content. Let us see accepting God's will. Accepting God's will. The Bible says that we are to accept the will of God for our life because the time is at hand. Humility looks to God for every need. If you need nothing but God, then nothing and no one is to threaten you. It is is only God that we need, and no one can stand in God's way. Number two, and I'm going to be quick, the delight of being poor in spirit. The delights of being poor in spirit. The word blessed in our passage means sacred, delight, or happy. It is happy. It is a good thing to be poor in spirit. Humility is Christ-like. And the Bible tells us that we are to be like Christ. The Bible tells us in Psalm chapter 113, who is like unto the Lord our God, who dwelleth on high, who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in earth. Philippians tells us, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We are to just be like Christ. Christ. Charles Spurgeon said it this way. Humility is to make a right estimate of oneself. Humility is to make a right estimate of one's self. Next next of all, humility makes us kings. Humility will make us kings. It will set us high. The Bible says in uh, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 33, again, you have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. It will make us kings because it will be the idea that we are humbling ourselves to the obedience of Jesus Christ. We reign in life by submitting to the authority of God, submitting to the authority of Jesus Christ. Uh, I, my brother, who uh, uh, is my oldest brother, uh, I don't talk about him very much, but my oldest brother, Jamie, uh, he's, uh, uh, he, he left our family when he turned 12 years old, and uh, we didn't have much contact with him. But when he turned 18, I'll never forget, he came to my, my parents' house, And and he stood in my parents' house, and this is what he said. He said, I'm tired of people telling me what to do, so I'm going to join the military. I'll never forget my dad. My dad looked him right in the eyes and said, I think that's a great idea. (laughs) He left. Of course, I didn't understand all that, but he left. And I said to my dad, I said, why was that such a great idea? He said, because he doesn't know what authority is. A few years later, my, he came to visit again, and uh, we were outside at our, at our house. And I, he looked at me, and he said, "Don't ever do it." <laughs> I said, "Don't ever do what?" He said, "Join the military." He goes, "Because they tell you what to do every minute of the day." <laughs> but you know what? The truth of the matter is, is that we are in the army of Jesus Christ. He is the commander. He's the commander-in-chief, and we will will reign in life by submitting to the authority of Jesus Christ, by doing what he says, or doing what he tells us to do. The world thinks authority comes from skill or self-protection. However, the truth is our authority comes from from, from the poverty of our spirit. It comes from the humbleness of our spirit. And number three, and I'm done, the development of a humble spirit. How do we develop it? Let me give you four thoughts, and I'll be done. How do we develop this humble spirit? You know, many times I've heard pastors preach and, and, and I, I've tried, to, tried my best in, in all the years that God has allowed me to be in ministry to, to not only give you an idea, to not only portray an idea, but to put. how do you put that idea into practice? Because if you're like me, you know, I can read an owner's manual over and over again and still can't put the product together. I'm just being honest with you. Um, Now, if I had somebody that was standing next to me that could actually put the pieces together, her name is Melissa, um, (laughs) it turns out really well, it does, the development of a humble spirit. How do we actually do it? Now that we've been challenged, how do we actually develop it? First of all, we have to remember our condition. Now, this is the hardest part of it. We have to remember our condition. We have to remember who we are in Christ. The the truth of the matter is, is you cannot impress NASA with a paper plane. You cannot impress Picasso with a color crayon. And you certainly cannot impress God with your good works. We are who we are by the grace of God. Can I tell you something? There is nothing great about us aside from God. Nothing Anything that I accomplish, anything that I do in my life is not because of me. It's all because of him. The Bible says, and if I be lifted up, speaking of Jesus, he never talks about self-proclamation. He always talks about kingdom proclamation. If I be lifted up. And I want to remind you that we serve a very jealous God. He's lifted up. Waldo Emerson said it this way, a great man is always willing to be little. A great man is always willing to be little, to be humble. Not only that, we have to yield to the word. We have to be involved in the word of God. Now, I want to talk to you about this for a moment, and I want to, I know this has been a different kind of sermon, and If you're visiting with us, it's not normally like this, but I'm going to take a sidebar here, all right? You ready? Hone in with me for a moment. Here we are, the last Sunday in December. And let's just be honest with each other. We all have grander thoughts of, I'm going to go to the gym. (laughs) Treadmill cells are on the rise, right? I'm just trying to be real with you. We all are going to the store, and the produce market is sold out, right? We've all sat down, and we've looked at our bank on, online. <laughs> we said, where's the savings account? And we're making a plan for a savings account. And you may leave here this morning, and you may go home, and you say, okay, I'm going to read my Bible every day this year, and I'm going to pray every day this year. I want to help you with that. I I don't know that you'll ever hear another pastor say this. But I get frustrated when it comes to the thought process of reading our Bible and praying. Because I think we've been taught wrong. I know I was. You'd start out January 1, I'm going to read my Bible all the way through this year. And that's like 15 chapters a day. You get to Psalm 119, and you might need to take the day off from work. Are you with me? So what do we do? We pick up our Bibles, and we start reading it. And we we get through, like, Genesis, and it becomes a struggle. But we get through Exodus and, and Numbers. And then, oh, no, here comes Chronicles. And everybody begot everybody. And we start trudging through it and we're struggling with it. And because we missed a couple days, we finally get to the point where we give up. Let me tell you something. God has blessed, and I've been married for over 15 years. I've known my wife for almost 18 years. During the past month, with all the things that were happening at our church, we literally, in most times, were just passing in the wind. I'd get a phone call, she'd be away doing things, I would be away doing things. The end of the day came 11 o'clock, midnight, sometimes 2 o'clock in the morning. We'd finally see each other for the first time. Guess what? We were tired, very tired. We just want to lay our heads down on our pillows and go to sleep. And in the very last breath before the snore, we turn to each other and say, I love you. I love you too. And we start the day all over again. Can I tell you something? Now it's December the 27th. All of that is behind us. And do you know that we did not allow anything to come in between our relationship during that time? We may not have been able to speak very often. We may may not have been able to have long conversations. We may not have been able to stand by the riverside and hold hands. And we may not have been able to do all that kind of stuff. But she still knew I loved her. And I knew that she still loved me. Why? Because just for a moment, just for a moment in the day, we were communicating with each other. I believe that God is more interested in quality than he is in quantity. You will never hear me stand up here and give you some kind of uh, a wonderful development Bible reading plan through the year. Because I believe that that is a setup for failure. And I believe that God wants us to set ourselves up for success. So how do we do that, pastor? Does that mean we only spend one minute? No, 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 no. We look at our daily lives and we say, okay, these are all the things that we are going to accomplish during the day. Because no matter what, you're going to accomplish them. And we need to stop and we literally need to plan a time every single day of our lives that we spend alone with God. It not, all, it, not all the time is it going to be able to be an hour, but sometimes it can be An hour. Not every day is it going to be able to to read several chapters in the Word of God, but sometimes we can take time to read several chapters in the Word of God. It is all about stopping for a moment and spending quality time with God and yielding ourselves daily to His Word. So that we never get to the point because we are strategizing and because we have this grander plan that we say, I give up. Aren't you glad God never gives up on us? So here's my challenge to you today as we talk about this idea of yielding to the word of God. Is that you you figure out what it will take for you every day of your life to take a moment with God. And no matter what, make it happen. No matter what. Now, look at me for a moment because I want you to get this. And I'm I'm just going to spill the beans. You ready? There are some days that I get so busy and things are hitting me on every side that maybe all I have a moment for is to pray. That doesn't mean tomorrow I don't open the word of God and spend time with him. That doesn't mean I say, well, because I didn't accomplish it, I give up. My dad used to tell me this all the time when it came to baseball. He said, quitters never win, and winners never quit. Quitters never win, and winners never quit. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a winner for Jesus Christ. So I'm not going to quit. Yield daily to his word. Matthew 4, 4 says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Number letter C, focus on Christ, not on our failures or our successes. Focus on Christ, not on our failures and not on our successes. Just focus on Christ. The Christian life should not be like the screen machine at Six Flags. Our Christian life should be a straight, consistent path. Because we don't focus it on us, we focus it on him. Matthew chapter 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Lastly, and I'm done, serve others. Be a servant. Serve other people. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, For brethren, you have been called uh, uh, called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. The life God blesses is a life of surrender. Isaiah chapter 66 says, For all those things hath my hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man I will look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. Can I give you one more thought and I'm done? Andrew Murray said this, and if you haven't listened and you haven't keyed into anything else I've said, would you listen to this quote by Andrew Murray? This is what he said. Here is the path to the higher life down, lower, down. Just as water always seeks and fills the lowest place, so the moment God finds men abased and empty, his glory and power flow in to exalt and to bless. What am I supposed to be? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thank you so much for listening so well this morning.